1: welcome back to the final four It's not on the schedule he is rod i am cameron and michigan state goes into evansville and uh and wins 73 to 67 versus northwestern um rod this one in the beginning started off pretty pretty tough they michigan state gets down by 13 at one point uh Claws back to down seven, leading into half, uh, and then within the first three minutes at the seventeen-minute mark, they had already taken the lead um, in the tra- and mostly in transition buckets. Right out of the out of the shoot, just kind of punched them in the mouth, and then from there, it's basically just a free throw shooting contest the whole way. I'm <laughs> yeah. crazy. Forty nine personal me, fouls in this. Let
0: one. me let me say that. I mean, it, it's. Speak to that rather it because that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, look, I'll, I'll grant you. It was a physical game. I'll grant you that many of the calls were ones that, that had to be made. But there were a lot, a lot, a lot of bad calls. That was yep. a poorly officiated game. And here's the thing. When you call garbage. When you call, and, and I, I've preached on this so many times over the years on this podcast, I, I'm sure everybody's sick of hearing it, but the, the concept, the very concept of a foul or a penalty in any sport is you are doing something to overcome an act by a player which gives them what is perceived to be an unfair advantage. That's it. It's that simple. When you call stuff that isn't leading to an advantage either way, it cheapens the thing. And what it does is it also, you pile up enough of those, it puts you in a position where maybe there are legitimate calls late in the game that instead of being the fifth team foul or the sixth team foul, now we're in the double bonus and it's just a parade to the free throw line. Yeah. So those guys, and it wasn't just, hurting michigan state either there were calls both ways that i thought were just abysmal um 63 uh, free throws in this game rod yeah that's the highest i think i may have ever seen and these are not two teams by the way michigan state is a little better at getting to the line than we typically see from an izzo team but they're not you know, they're not a, a, a fullback dive team that just, you know, lives at the free throw. And they're not one of those teams. And Northwestern, we talked about it before the game as it heading into this game, at least they shoot free throws very well, but they don't get there very often. Yeah. So these are not teams that have a style that you look at and say, going in, all right, there's going to be a lot of contact. There'll probably be a lot of free throws. So then I'm left to wonder why or speculate one of two things happened, either These teams just played really out of character, which is a harder case to make, or the officials were fucking awful. I'll go with the latter
1: (laughs) on this. Both ways. They
0: created a game that in the last, say, six, seven minutes had no rhythm, no feel, no nothing except free throws. That's on them. Mm -hmm. Because they made so many bad calls. Calls that didn't need to be made, Calls that were out of the blue, just t- plucked out of thin air, the one that really got me late, and there were so many, I'm sure everybody's got their own favorites, but there was one on Malik Hall guarding Pete Nance in the post, where Pete Nance, trying to establish position, kind of puts his arm back between Malik Hall's arm and his body. It doesn't get grabbed, he just puts it in there, guy whistles a foul. Disgrace, mm. absolute disgrace. And, and so much of it happened right in front of these guys. <laughs> like they couldn't even say, well, he was out of position. He couldn't really see it. No, right there.
1: Yeah.
0: And still blows it. I, I just, yeah, obviously my I'm favorite was the Hauser block. Of, he came for, that was terrible. Oh my God. He all, balled, perfect all ball, ball, nobody. Yeah. And, and you saw Izzo going to the guy motioning. he went straight up and that happened several times. Um, I just, yeah, it was those officials turned that game into a farce at the end of it. They really did. It's on them. Um, They're to blame, not Northwestern, not Michigan State, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, and we're left, unfortunately, to live with it. But what I was also going to say is, unfortunately, but it happens to be accurate. Welcome to the Big Ten. Yeah. You're back in conference play now. And, and so it's all the things that we've come to know, parades to the foul line, um, weird calls, uh, games that are tight, yet somehow unsatisfying, <laughs> you know, yeah, Th- this yeah. is a lot of what we see. And so it felt very familiar, mm-hmm. like, okay, glad to be back Some, you know, in this world, we'll, we'll claim, or at least I'll claim to any sense of normalcy I can get. <laughs> That's this is normal. Yeah. <laughs> for better or for worse. This welcome back, Big Ten refs. Um, but anyway, I, I, I would say, all in all, though, a very gutsy and as we talked about in the preview, kind of an important win. Yeah. You know? Uh,
1: these guys are getting... about, these guys are for real. This is not your Northwestern team of the last couple I of years.
0: I agree. I, I think today proved that. I thought the first half They played far more aggressively on defense and I'm not, I don't mean hacking. They were just really aggressive, really good disrupted what Michigan state wanted to do on the perimeter. I hadn't seen Northwestern do that once a couple of times I'd seen them this year. Mm -hmm. I thought they were very effective. They weren't able to do that as much in the second half. Michigan state ran better stuff too. So that had to do with MSU picking up the scoring pace significantly, but, and, and just hitting shots. But, They are legit defensively. You could see it. Mm -hmm. And offensively, look, um, they hunt in this game getting kind of mediocre at best games out of their two best players in Pete Nance and Boo Booey. Now, I I give Michigan State a lot of credit for that. Yeah. I think Michigan State defended both of those guys really well. But the fact remains, if they can hang in there against a top ten opponent with their two best players kind of having ah days that says something for them. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think that this is having seen them now uh, against Michigan state. I, I am more convinced that they can make a legit run at the top half of the league and, and a, an NCAA tournament bid. I'm not saying I think they're any kind of lock, but I think, I think they can compete for it. I, I look around at the rest of the conference like I'm right now as we're recording this, I've got Penn State and Indiana on. Yeah, um, they definitely look a lot better than Penn State, and I think they could absolutely go toe to toe with IU mm-hmm. based on what I've seen of IU this year. Um, that's a that's a good team. It's got a lot of pieces. They the the biggest thing to me, what's going to be a difference maker for them, and, and and might be the thing that actually tells the tale as to uh, whether they're a tournament team or not. Is they got to get outage going. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just, he hit that one three kind of late in the game to finally get himself off the Schneid. I think that's only his second made three since he's come back. But look at the numbers three for 14, one for seven from three. He did go five for six at the line. So his point totals were there. Um, But, uh, you know, 12 points. But they, they need him being a much bigger factor offensively. Cause he was a huge factor for them last year. And if you add him in as you know, a 12, 13, 14 point a night guy to Nance and Bowie, and then the rest of their team kind of filtering in around those guys, you've got something, but I think they, they need him. And that's going to be a big story, big part of their story the rest of the way.
1: And I could not figure out for the life of me, what happened to Ty Berry. And we talked about Robbie Baran. uh, these guys look like they were effective. And then in the second half, they just
0: disappeared. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. I think Barry, let me look at his foul trouble. I think he had foul trouble. Yeah. He had four in the game. And I think that contributed not the case with Baran though. Baran only played 19 minutes, which is not that far off his season average, but um, you're right. I, I think, I think part of the Baran story may have been that, uh, they liked some of what they were getting. I mean, I thought Ryan young was really good today. Yeah. Um, and he they played him, uh, they played him a little more than they normally do. They also, uh, with Barry, they played Greer a lot more, um, yeah. 23 minutes, not a lot more, but, uh, but some more, and he was effective in spurts, but it, that was mostly the first half as well. I don't have a good answer for you because you're right. Barry hit those two threes and he's been on fire from yeah. three this season. And, you know, Baran struggled a bit early, missed his first couple of wide open, but then he hit one. And you would have thought you would have seen more of them, but not the case.
1: It just seemed like they were really forced, or at least Chase Odage was forced and stuff
0: down the he stretch was. a lot. He absolutely was. And that's I think that's because, you know, that's kind of who he is. And that's okay. You can, you can deal with having a guy like that, but Bowie's that kind of guy, too. I don't know if you want two of them, and you definitely don't want two of them when they're going to combine six for 27 from the floor, (laughs) which is what they shot today. Yeah. So that is a problem. Yeah. But I I do, you know, last season, I liked what Audage gave them because he was that kind of guy, which Northwestern's had very little of. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, part of the problem for Northwestern is over the years that they've rarely had guys that you looked at and said, all right, that guy can just go get a basket when it's needed. Yeah. You know, even their, some of their better teams, not, not the tournament team, the tournament team had a couple guys like that. Dick law and Macintosh could do that. But, um, you know, they they had a team when Evan Ashmeyer was there way back in the stone age. That was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it wasn't a team that had a guy like that. So when you're, when you're if you think about the teams under, um, uh, all well, the guy from Princeton, uh, the previous head coach to, um, to Chris Collins, um, that, that era had some decent teams, but rarely did they have a guy like that. that can just kind of go get it. Colby I guess was that way for them a little bit, but, um, in any event, I don't mind it, but that guy's got to do better than shoot three for 14. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. look, they're, they're three, the, those three guys that I said, these are the guys who need to be, you know, game in, game out, the scores that they count on. Nance, Otage, Bowie combined 10 for 40. Jeez. 25% from the floor. That's, it's amazing that they lost by six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you consider that and part of it is those guys were a combined let's see 11 15 15 for 21 at the line so they all shot a bunch of free throws and they hit a decent amount so that kind of kept them afloat but the the shooting from the floor just not pretty mm-hmm.
1: Uh so you look at michigan state rod now i'm going to start with with joey hauser on this one um i just I thought he had a really good really good game ten points, nine rebounds, two assists. I know I know Gabe got a lot of a, a scoring done, but it just seemed like he was solid out there today four four from the
0: line he hit two threes uh just I, I agree I agree I thought it was a really good game from Joey more so the second half than the first yeah there was that there was that play early in the second half where he had a layup that he just turned some I mean wide open that he just turned into a high difficulty shot. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. And so Robbie Hummel was going on, about oh, lack of confidence, uh, da, 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 which fine fair. We've seen that issue with Joey, but right after that, Joey came out, and hit a couple threes shortly after that. And I think that righted the ship at, yeah. uh, you know, rebounding wise, it, God knows after the worst first half of defensive rebounding I've seen in a while, um, he had, I don't know what his half-by-half half breakdown was, but he ended up with nine boards overall, eight of them on the defensive side, and he was a rock as a defensive rebounder in the second half where they needed it. Yeah. They had to shut that down. So, um, yeah, overall, uh, very happy with Joey's play. You know, there's a, you, you look at it and you say, well, there's nothing spectacular there, but look, 10 points, nine boards, two assists, one turnover, and he had a steal. I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, and
1: you get a sense that his consistency is starting to build.
0: Yep. Um, And he was kind. And he looked after that. You know, a first half where he didn't just didn't do much of anything, and then that start to the second half where it looked a little off. um, He found his confidence again, and down the stretch, that was a confident player. Yep. So.
1: and then you got uh, Gabe Brown up, of course, 20 points, one rebound, one assist, although we hit three for seven from three, hit all seven three uh, free throws, two blocks, four turnovers, though. Yeah,
0: um, uh, definitely a little bit of a mixed bag. The turnovers were, were not great from Gabe, but I and and only one rebound. That's not going to make Tom Izzo happy. But two blocks – Um and that shooting when they needed it, yeah, you know, and they were important. They were came in very important times. Yeah, well, the yeah the last one in particular turned a two point game into five. And I mean, if he had missed that shot, Northwestern had gotten the defensive rebound. Then you're talking about we're we're going right. I mean, it was a close game, obviously, anyway. But we would be going right down to the last possession, most likely. Yeah. Um, instead of what we had, which was Michigan State just needing to kind of Seal it mm-hmm. with free throws, which they were able to do, uh but you know look th- this is who Gabe is. he could be a guy who's struggling, and yet, because of that ability to shoot and Michigan State's ability to get him looks and on top of that, the fact that he doesn't need a big window to get a shot up mm-hmm. because of his size, his length and and how high his release point is, all that plays to his advantage um you know. That he can always step up and make big plays. And he did certainly today. And, you know, we're, we're seeing Gabe. I'm not ready to say he's the alpha because I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the way this Michigan state team really plays. And, and to be that guy, I think you've got to be maybe capable of doing a little bit more than Gabe does in terms of offense with the ball. You know, Cassius Winston could get things done myriad ways. Denzel Valentine, Draymond Green, you know, Kalen Lucas, all these guys, we we know that. Gabe is not quite those guys, but as an offensive weapon, as a threat, yeah, he's, I mean, we're we're starting to see him emerge as a guy, as we've talked about this season, that has found another level, which is all you really wanted from him.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, gone are the... 12 points one day, zero the next. That's not what we're seeing. Yeah. On a bad day, you get Gabe maybe giving you 10-11. On a decent to good day, you get this. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then the other wing, Max Christie, 11.7 rebounds, two assists, uh, a steal, couple turnovers. Um, but you, you combine those wings uh, on defense, and they didn't get a whole yeah. lot done uh, out there. Sure didn't.
0: Sure didn't. I liked I like Max Christie's game today. I really did. He didn't force anything. Um, he had that one turnover, which was just late, which was just really unfortunate. Um, well, you know, Tyson Walker. He thought he was cutting one way and coming back out to get the ball, and Tyson instead was trying to backdoor cut the guy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it says that something
1: jam. that was pretty impressive.
0: Yep. It says something that. Uh, late in the game, Michigan State was putting the ball in his hands a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's something we maybe haven't seen consistently this year, but we're starting to see it a little more often, and I think that's a really good sign. Because he's a guy, as opposed to Gabe, that I think in terms of what his skill set is, could be that, I I won't use the term alpha, but a guy that in a late-game situation, you're looking for somebody to be the catalyst to make a play for himself, make a play for somebody else, force a defense to deal with him, um, Max is a guy who has the capability of doing that. So it's nice. I think it's a good thing to see Michigan State maybe go into that a little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Bingham, 23 minutes, 13 points, nine rebounds, four for eight from the floor, uh, hit five for nine from, three, or, or from the free throw line, two blocks.
0: Yeah, um, good game. From Markey, you know th- this is this is a team we talked about it. That other than Purdue, I think they might have the best one-two punch at the five of anybody. Mm. When you when you talk about Nance and Young, and even though those guys were, especially Nance, kind of was semi-contained, um, I think you saw why. They're both really good players, and Markey wasn't the only guy, but he had a lot to do with impacting especially nance nance just never got going
1: yeah
0: you know not really i mean he got 13 points a lot of them were at the line it just it it did not and that's and by the way that's still like three points both three or four points below his average Mm -hmm. um and it was inefficient you know he didn't have a good day shooting the ball so marcus definitely made his impact as a defender and then as you know you look up 13 points Nine boards, two blocks. You know, he just did the things he's been doing consistently. Yeah. And and as I as I had said, this is who he is mm. now. I, I I said that a few podcasts ago. I don't think we have to wonder. It doesn't mean he's going to step up every every single time out because everybody has off days. But going into any game Michigan State plays, it's reasonable to expect production like this and impact like this because mm. that's who he is now.
1: And he had those two. I don't know, 12 to 15 foot
0: jumpers. Yep. That... he had the full repertoire. Yeah. In this game, I don't know. I don't know if he actually had a post bucket, but he had some jumpers. Uh, I think he had a transition bucket. The the biggest one was the one that toward the end. Yeah. Where he went, he went off the dribble and just fried Nance. And fou- I believe that was the play that fouled Nance out too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. It was. Um, so that was big on a number of levels. But that's, and we've seen Marcus do that a handful of times. I don't think you want a steady diet of it. Yeah. But, you know, he's capable of doing that. I mean, there's certainly big men in this league that I would want him to attack that way against. You know, Hunter yeah. Dickinson. Go ahead. Get him extended out on the floor like that. Take his ass to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, the big kid, for Edie from Purdue. Take him if he's dumb enough to get out on the floor like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it was Nance is not one of those guys. Nance is actually a pretty mobile defender, and yet you saw Marky still take him to the bucket and get it done. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just a, another good game from Marcus Bingham, and you just you see how important he is to the defense. Though it is not an accident that after two kind of subpar games, one of which he didn't play in, um, Michigan State kind of got back to who they've been defensively mm-hmm. in this one. Um, not an accident that it happened with Marcus Bainham playing. I don't know the minutes in front of me, but yeah, significant minutes. Yeah. 23, okay.
1: Uh, so Tyson Walker, 21 minutes, no points. Uh, one rebound, four assists. Uh, rough rough stretch. He winds up falling out of this. He's got uh, one turnover. Yeah, two, two steals, did- but
0: disappointing because it's second game in a row that he really didn't. I mean, he was trying and I had no problem with the shots he took. They just, he had one kind of late in the game where he, he just shook Bowie and got to the rim. And I don't know how he missed it. I mean, it was, it was, it was a clear path to the bucket for a lay in and he just missed it. It was one of those days where the shots just were not dropping for him. Um, You know, on this day, Look, they they needed AJ Hogarth because I think AJ did more offensively. I do think this: don't underestimate the job that both those guys did defensively in keeping a lid on Bowie. Though, yeah, um, that was very important. And Tyson had two steals. There were most of the time when Bowie went to take a shot, it was contested. So I thought he was good there. Just they need better offensive play out of him, obviously. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and AJ. 19 minutes, nine points, uh, three assists, three turnovers, but he did have two blocks and a steal.
0: Yeah, the the turnovers, obviously, you're not thrilled about and and he's been much better in that area lately. But everything else, look, this was a day where they needed some of what A.J. Hogart excels in. A.J. made some transition baskets with floor-length passing. Mm Mm-hmm. He made some buckets at the rim when they were going through stretches. They were maybe struggling to get a good look. And he was also part of a pretty good defensive effort. So I'm, I'm very happy with the way he played. He's already completely shattered my expectations for him. I'll I'll happily admit to, uh, to being wrong about that, that he can be a guy that, that can be a part of a very good team. Mm I, I, I wouldn't want him to be the only guy at that spot, but what Michigan state has going with he and Walker right now is really good because it seems like there's never a game that we're talking about where both guys just didn't play well. Yeah. You know, and even today Tyson was still there for the most part defensively, you know, um, so they're, they're, getting, and they're getting good play out of that position, which is what matters. And, we, you know, we're going to talk about it in the Keys, ones and fives. Michigan State came up big. Yeah. At uh, those spots, and they kind of had to. And that, that
1: brings us to Julius Marble. Uh, 15 minutes, six points, three rebounds and assists. Um,
0: I thought he had a pretty damn good game today. Better than he's been for a while. Yeah. I, I do think um, – look – I I am pretty convinced by now that Julius is just never going to be a very good rebounder, for for a guy at his position, yeah. you know. And I think the fact that he played the minutes he did in that first half had something to do with why Michigan State struggled the way they did on the defensive glass. But um, overall, I think he was back to being after a really couple of subpar games. Yeah. He, he was back to being what he'd been earlier this season, which is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have – he's never going to be a great defensive player. He's never going to be a great rebounder. But if he can just kind of hold the fort, yeah. yeah, that's okay. And he did that. Yeah. So, at the, you know, the point production, they mean, you know, the one where he ran the floor for a dunk was big because that was a stretch, if I remember correctly, where it felt like um, – you know, that was near the end of the first half, right? Yeah. So Michigan State was had, had been down, I think, as much as 11 or 13. 13. And yeah. they got their way back into it, made it manageable by halftime, and, and that bucket was big. Mm-hmm. You know, a transition, I, I talked about it with regard to A.J. You know, A.J. a few times did that where he he pushed it, and that play was great because he hit Marble in stride. It was perfect. Yeah. And Marble yep. dunked it. And, and that was a big bucket. So Julius Julius definitely made contributions today. I do think he was better than he's been.
1: Uh, and then Malik Hall, 12 minutes, four points, two rebounds. Um, yeah, a couple turnovers, four personal fouls.
0: Yeah, foul trouble really limited him in this one. And that's part of why his, his minutes were so low. I also think the fact that in the second half, especially, Joey was really good. Mm-hmm and Joey was giving you what you needed there. You know, you'd say this. Northwestern really, maybe in part because Baran's minutes were limited, Northwestern really didn't exploit MSU at the four the way that you might think was possible with Joey playing those kind of minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought Joey really hung in there defensively and was plenty up to the task, you know. Um, But, yeah, just kind of an off Day from Malik, you'd like to have seen more. He, he again showed flashes. He had that that bucket where he went to the rim and uh and scored. And you know, it's those flashes that really remind you how good he can be. Um that was one where, if I remember correctly, the shot clock was running out. It was a short clock situation, and he just didn't panic, took the ball off the dribble and scored. Mm-hmm. And and those are the things that he can do. You would hope he would do more of it. He didn't in this game. But, again, foul trouble, I thought, sort of limited him a little bit.
1: Yeah. And then the only other one we saw really was uh, Jaden Akins. Only 13 minutes, but uh, three
0: rebounds and a pretty sweet block. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he provided a little bit of energy at times. I thought he, too, quietly because it doesn't get a lot of attention. But Michigan State's defense didn't slip much. When, if at all, when he was on the floor. So that was important. You know, that perimeter defense stayed at a high level and guys did, he did his share of guarding buoy as well. Their guys were not getting clean looks and for the most part, and that's, that's big. And so he played his part in that for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Rod, the, the first key we had was who's sharp, uh, big layoffs for both these teams, just not a lot of play in December in general. Um,
0: you know, it's funny, the first ten minutes of the game, which is where you would expect to see that show up, both teams were scoring at a pretty good clip. I think it I think at the ten minute mark, I think it was nineteen to sixteen mm-hmm. Northwestern. That is just so died out. <laughs> you wouldn't say that either team was looking terrible, but then right after that, it just Michigan State especially just hit the skids and just couldn't score. Uh-huh. It took that late flurry for Michigan State even to get to the 26 that they had at the half. Um, so I don't know. I I, I don't think it, Northwestern may feel differently because what did they end up with? They ended up with uh, they had nine turnovers. So I guess that's a little more than they would normally hope for Michigan State had 15. The shooting percentages were not good either way. Um, Michigan State was better, uh, but again, these are two very good defensive teams. So that's what I was. I t- don't I know. Mean, I, I
1: from a sharpness point of view, I, I felt like Northwestern was really sharp defensively, and then they, oh for sure, and then for they sure. kind of maybe Michigan State made some 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 switches you know, it switched things up a little bit at halftime that kind of threw them off, but they were right on top of the normal stuff that Michigan state runs.
0: I also think it's hard. Look, Northwestern is not a high ball pressure defensive team usually. And I think it's difficult to play that way for 40 minutes when you, when it's not part of your DNA, you don't do that game in game out and they don't. So I think it part of it was schematic adjustments from Michigan State. Um, part of it was, I think, just kind of an inevitable ebbing of the ability to play that aggressively mm. on defense by Northwestern, you know um, so a little bit of both. But I do think you're right. they came out very sharp defensively, and as I say, the first ten minutes for both teams, I didn't think the offenses were bad. It's not like they came out like wow. You can tell these teams haven't played much. Yeah, it wasn't. It like didn't that. look that way. It ended up looking that way by halftime, but not the first segment of the game where you would normally expect that to show up as a, a team needs to kind of settle in and find itself. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure that that either team really won or lost that area. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the second key was threes. Uh, Michigan State
1: winds up seven for twenty three for thirty percent. Northwestern five for twenty four for twenty one percent, but Michigan State one for ten at the half.
0: That's right, six for thirteen in the second, Yeah. and and that's really what won it. On, on the Spartan Mag board, I said I had three halftime thoughts. Sometimes not all the time, but sometimes I'll do that. And I, I said this is pretty simple. One, Michigan State has to rebound the ball better defensively. Two. They have to be much stronger with the ball on the perimeter because Northwestern was applying that heavy ball pressure and really blowing them up. Mm. Not just with turnovers, but just period just not being able to get into their stuff. And then the third thing was Northwestern's going to give up three attempts. It's you can get open looks against them. Michigan State got open looks in the first half. They just couldn't hit them. I said, so my thought was they gotta find a way to hit some shots. Cause you're probably not going to be able to beat Northwestern, not getting any kind of production from three. Mm. And sure enough, they got some six for 13 in the second half you'll take. And, and it was just enough, you know, Gabe and, and Max and Joey being the guys that, that really stepped up in that second half, mm-hmm. you know, Gabe hit three in the second half, Joey hit two and Max hit one after being the only guy to make one in the first half. Um, and they needed it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then turnovers uh, looks like a, know, 15 to nine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and MSU had, I think nine at the half. So a little better in the second half, mm-hmm. but um, not good. Just not good. Uh, you know, Northwestern didn't make them pay for a lot of it. There weren't a lot of pick six type turnovers, uh, but it, it just, Yeah. After and and look, this is who they are. I mean, you can you can have a couple games where the turnover numbers are low and be feeling, oh, maybe they're turning a corner. Probably not. Mm-hmm. There there are going to be days where this happens. I think in general it will be a little bit better than what we saw early this season. So I think the recent trend in totality is probably what we'll continue to see, which is most of the time it'll be okay. There'll be the occasional game where it's not okay. Yep. And you just hope that there aren't a lot of the latter. Today was kind of bordering on being one of those.
1: Yeah, and they got they had 15. You can think five of those were really the bonehead ones. You know, it, the, the Max Christie one. Uh, Joey had a weird uh, travel. Hogard had yep. a weird travel. Um, and another yep. bad one. Tyson and then Walker offense, had a bad
0: throw. Some offensive fouls, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. And that part of that is all why those plays that we're talking about are not live ball turnovers. Yeah. So if you're going to have them, they're the better type to have. You just you don't want many of <laughs> them. Yeah. So a little bit disappointing. Uh and then the fourth key ones and fives. I I I think this was a big win for Michigan State. Um if you just look at the raw numbers, so Northwestern individually let's see so Michigan State at the point guard spot we'll start with that so Walker has zero points before so they have between Walker and hogard seven assists four turnovers but um nine points so nine points, points. Yeah. So seven assists four turnovers three stevens Northwestern from Bowie and Greer but we had 12. Greer had four, so 16 points, seven assists even there, but five turnovers. So they were even worse. Um, Northwestern has an edge, but not a big edge mm-hmm. and and I think that was key inside um, what do we say Bingham 13 and nine with two blocks, Nance thirteen and six and zero blocks for a guy who was averaging two a game. Um, If you add in young as the backup, it's, it's a little better because he got 11 and eight. He had a really good game. Marvel didn't match that, but, but I think in general, here's the thing. And this is what we said in the preview. These are, this is where Northwestern is at their best. And, Michigan State doesn't have guys that will likely match what Northwestern's guys will do statistically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, in all areas, especially in scoring, they won't. But I felt like Michigan State has enough at those positions to keep it close, make those guys work, and they did. And if you look at yeah. the efficiency, if you look especially with the starters with Bowie and and um, Nance you know, a combined seven for 26 from the floor for those two guys, one for eight from three, if they weren't shooting free throws the way they were, it would have been a real disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think Michigan state gets the check Mark here. I really do because they, they did enough to keep it very competitive at those positions. And so then from there, if you take it out to what Michigan state's going to get at the four and Michigan state's going to get on the wings, that's where Michigan State has a real advantage over this team. Mm-hmm. And so it they, showed up that
1: way. They played their strength to a standstill. Exactly.
0: Or close enough.
1: Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Uh, so the fifth key was Road Warriors. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of Michigan State fans in that just when you look
0: there. There always <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. There always is. But you know what? It, it still. Let, let's go back to last year where there were no fans in the stands anywhere, and yet you still had home court advantage being evident in terms yeah. of who was winning and losing games, right? Yeah. So it's about more than that. That certainly helps mm-hmm. that it's not the typical Big Ten room atmosphere. MSU usually has a majority of the fans, and it seemed like they did today from everything I heard and read. But it's still not your gym. It It's still an advantage for the home team because of the familiarity the travel or lack thereof you know all of those things it's not even just hey we're used to shooting on these rims it's everything it's like you stay in your at your own apartment you're not in a hotel
1: yeah Um, yeah. you
0: didn't have to take a bus or, or or take a charter flight to get there you know there's a lot of other things that go into it so it's an advantage even in this situation i'll buy that it's less of one there than say It's going to be for Michigan State when Northwestern comes in in a couple weeks to the Breslin. I'll buy that. But it still matters, and it still counts as a road win. And so MSU's got two of them now. And, And by the way, two of them against teams that I don't think are going to be at the bottom of this conference in Minnesota and Northwestern. Based on what I've seen, I think these are teams that are more in that middle pack than where I thought at least at Minnesota's case, where I thought they might be in October mm-hmm. um you know those are teams that for right now shouldn't be thinking any other way than, hey, we can compete uh for a top half finish and and a tournament bid right now, it, that might change, but for now they should definitely feel that way, so i I think you add all that up and it's big, mm-hmm. you know we've we've seen. Very good Michigan State teams struggle in this building in the past. They usually find a way to win. I I was actually one other comment I made at the half, and it ended up coming true to an extent, was I said, you know, MSU could really use Gabe Brown finding his Mo Ager in Evanston. If you remember, Mo Ager, and then I want to say Darrell Summers had a game or two like that as well in that building. Where those guys just got scorching hot on those corner threes, uh-huh. I can just picture Mo Ager doing it. He had some big games in that building, and Gabe in the second half kind of stepped up and did that. Yeah, um, but it's a road win is a road win is a road win. They're all big, and as we had talked about on the preview, there have been these inflection points. You know, I felt like. Um, the Louisville game was one where, okay, if they win that and they got these two big 10 games, they should feel that they can get. And then you've got, you know, a non-conference games against Oakland and high point and that should get you back into big 10 play feeling good about yourself. Well, this is another inflection point because now you're three and O two road wins. You got Nebraska at home next, which, you know, God help us. If it's not a win, <laughs> a comfortable one, the way Nebraska has played, and then you go to Michigan, and it's a rivalry game, and it's on the road, and it's big, and and all that. But look, Michigan State, and after that, I believe it's Minnesota on northwest North home. Yeah, you could be in a position very easy if you let's put it this way: they're going to be favored to be seven and zero coming out of those that this next stretch of games in the league, you know. And so this is this was big because it wasn't a gimme. You're playing as we saw. You're playing a competent, physical, uh, experienced for the most part opponent, and it's not in your building. And they're looking at it as an opportunity to get a marquee win for themselves, which would be would have been a very big deal for them. Um, and you come out and you don't play your A game by any stretch. And you still find a way. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I liked about it. I I think I said two things usually end up showing up when you win road games. One is poise. I don't know if you could say Michigan state was a tremendously poised team, not when they have 15 turnovers, um, not when they struggle shooting the ball the way they did in the first half. But the second part of it, resiliency absolutely showed up that you have a team kind of starting to steamroll you. And let's remember, you only have to go back a year where they got run in that building. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of those same guys were part of that. And so those guys showed that resiliency by not giving in, continuing to fight, continuing to make plays, and got themselves to a victory. You know, it's yeah. as, it's as simple as that. So at least half of that necessary equation showed up and, and these are going to be things that are going to be meaningful, I think, for them to lean on as you go through the rest of this Big Ten schedule. You know, when they go into Ann Arbor in a week,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which, by the way, I'll, I'll uh, give a, a um, sneak preview. I'm going to be at that game. <laughs> so our <laughs> really our, uh, our, our post game will be a little bit late. But I'm I'm looking forward to the next road game. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna have this to draw. You know the Minnesota game was different because they really controlled that, and Minnesota kind of made a push late mm-hmm. to make it uh, to just get on the borderline of game applying game pressure. Um, but this had game pressure pretty much the whole way. You know. Michigan state had a, I think had a lead at 12, 11 on a Malik called dunk. And then I don't think they led again until they had that flurry at the start of the second half. And, and from there, obviously MSU led most of the way in the second half, but it was never a big lead. You know, the biggest it was, was like eight, you know, and, and, uh, Northwestern kept, there was a lot of game pressure. And so, to show that ability to come back, dig out of a hole, find a way to get back, have the other team keep pushing you, which Northwestern did a great job of, and keep it close, make it tight. You had to fight your way and really earn it. That is something that this team can now draw mm-hmm. on for the game in Michigan, or you know, a, a game in Columbus down the line, or when you're in Bloomington, or Champaign, Urbana, wherever, Madison. You know, they're, they're going to want it's nice to have that in the bank that you can look back at it and say, Hey, we've been here before. Yeah. And we, and we've done this. And so this team needed that because it's their third true road game. They're three and Oh, the first two, they didn't really face that. Mm -hmm. They kind of controlled them. This one, they, they had to fight. They had to earn. Yep.
1: Uh, So the next one coming up, Rod, Nebraska at home Wednesday, uh, seven o'clock on big 10 network. Um, but I, before we, we get on with this one, um, Shout out to the football team for an awesome year, man eleven and two yeah. uh they came back and and beat Pitt at the end there any yeah. any kind of thoughts on the football team this is this is a really surprising and great year for them
0: well I mean that's an understatement, right yeah. I don't think I think optimistic people looked at this team and said, hey, with a couple of breaks, maybe they can win seven or eight games, go to a decent bowl, you know that that was kind of where the standard was and they just blew right through that yeah it was a yeah i mean it was really it was a magical year and there have been there have been a few of these that i can think of in the past um that it reminded me of Mm. um it reminded me a little bit there was that the uh Maybe, that, maybe not as dramatic because Michigan State was better than this or considered to be better than they were this year coming into the season. But I think about, you know, the 87 team. When I was in college at Michigan State, I was a student. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was George Perlis' fifth year. They kind of bounced around and been on the borderline of being solid but just couldn't get over the hump. They'd had some you know Lorenzo White had been hurt the year before which really kind of dashed some hopes. Um there was a, a lot of things had, had conspired to the to not allow them to have that breakthrough season uh-huh. and then they go ahead and they go to the Rose Bowl and and win it. That season kind I won't say it came out of nowhere but it was it was one that that felt really exhilarating because you didn't necessarily have quite that level of expectation. I would say Nick Sabin's last season. Yeah. Was somewhat similar to this where, you know, he had had the same thing. He had a lot of six and six, seven and six kind of years where they'd shown promise, but they hadn't broken through. And then they, you know, it was kind of a similar year to this one in that, you know, they had a big game where they were undefeated. Both teams were undefeated, I believe, against Michigan. Maybe Michigan had one loss, but MSU was unbeaten. You beat Michigan in a tight game. And then you go out and you lose to Purdue. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It had some similarities, but that team too, I think was 10 and two. This one was 11 and two, Um, you know, somewhat similar in that way. But again, where the comparisons fall apart is those teams were at least coming off. I think they were coming off bowl seasons. They were coming off years where they were at least mediocre. Michigan state was coming off two and five. Yeah, and just by, really like
1: bottom dwellers—they were picked,
0: <laughs> right? And you by just bottom. really didn't, really didn't have. I mean, I was optimistic. I always am. I'm. I'm definitely a glass half full guy when it comes to this stuff. But mm-hmm. I, if you told me I'm going to do that, I never would <laughs> believe it. But I do think that it was obvious early that yeah. this was going to be different. I, for me, where I bought into the idea of this team being different was Miami Mm -hmm. where they went down there and in a turned a tight game into an easy win late in the heat you know everything kind of going against you in terms of what you're used to playing in and Michigan State just dropped the hammer yeah I thought at that point okay And, and it was the fact that you know Kenneth Walker had run it up against Northwestern who's been pretty good over the years, but obviously this was not their best team. So you kind of wondered, okay, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And then what is the next week was the next week Youngstown state where he just yeah. didn't play very much. Yeah. And so the fact that he had that kind of game made Miami look silly. I thought, all right, this is, this is not a flash in the pan. This guy actually is as good as it appeared. Uh-huh. And, um, and then they just went on from there, but what, a yeah, what a fun year. I mean, so many, so many great storylines and such an easy team to like and to root for. Yeah. You know, I mean, when your best player who we all know should have been a Heisman finalist, I mean, that's that's going to go down as one of the all-time jokes. Yeah, um, But when he is as humble as that guy <laughs> yeah. was and is team oriented and, and yet has the talent he has, I mean, I don't know for sure what kind of pro he's going to be, but. I just have a hard time envisioning that if he stays healthy, that he can't find a way to be a really good starting running back in the NFL because he has tools you can't teach.
1: Yeah. Just a combination of explosion, power and speed and vision
0: and and vision and vision. Yeah. You know, it's honestly, I have not seen anybody like that. Um, certainly around this area since Barry Sanders and that doesn't yeah. mean he's going to be Barry Sanders. He's not, but a lot of what he did this year reminded me of that. Well, especially um,
1: those counter plays, like where you'd, yep. you'd start off to one side and then, and cut it back to the left. You just don't see
0: teams Make doing 30 that. yard runs out of absolutely nothing. Yet. Yeah. And that just, was something that, that was something that Barry obviously excelled at. Yeah. I just think it's, what guys, what always used to amaze me about Barry Sanders is he did all the things he did, and it never seemed that anybody really squared him up. Yeah. <laughs> like he never just got his. You see guys who are just much more north, south, straight ahead runners, and they take punishment. That's part of why running backs don't tend to last very long, right? Mm-hmm. But um, Barry Sanders never seemed to take a straight up hit in <laughs> his career. Yeah, never. And Kenneth Walker has some of that, too, you know, because of the wiggle. Mm -hmm. The way he just, he just makes it really difficult for you to square him up. So, yeah, I, I obviously, you know, there's, there's much further to go, but I, I will say this, the thing that I am absolutely convinced about now, having seen this thing operate this year is Mel Tucker. One hundred percent knows what he wants and knows what he needs to get to the level that they would have to be to honestly compete in in the playoffs. You know, obviously we saw Michigan State get there in 2015. And then what was demonstrated, I think, is as good as that team was, it did not have the physical capability to match up with an Alabama that was engaged. Maybe they could have if, if Alabama came out listlessly and didn't play up, but but an Alabama that was focused, you had no chance. And I think we just saw that repeated with the semifinal games, right? Yeah. I mean, Michigan was overwhelmed yeah. by Georgia. They had no business being on that field. None, zero. Um and that was very similar to the way it felt with Michigan State in their game a few years ago against Alabama. I think here's the difference, though, and I I love Mark D'Antonio. His his era is the best I've ever lived through because I wasn't around for Biggie and Duffy. Mm -hmm. I forever. He's one of the all time greats. But Mark D'Antonio was a guy who I think believed in undersized or uh, guys who guys who didn't necessarily have all the measurables, but he could see something in them. From a football perspective, that made him take chances on them, and a lot of those guys he turned into really good college football players. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of them any of us could name, right? Yeah. But but the the limitation is that could get you, you know, in the right year, that can even get you a Big Ten championship and a spot in the playoffs, which he did. But I think there was a cap on it at that point. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't get to that next level unless circumstances just conspired and the teams that do have those kind of guys for whatever reason just didn't come through, didn't come together. But we see that that typically doesn't happen. Yeah. One of them does. Um, Mel Tucker knows that, and I'm pretty convinced by watching the way he operates that Mel Tucker is not going to offer guys who don't meet those standards, you know? He's, he is going, he's got a plan in mind. He's got a standard that he knows he needs to hit. And so I think given some time, you know, with the way this guy recruits, I think that there's a reasonable chance that Michigan State will have a team that has a chance to compete at that level. I don't know when. I don't think it's going to be next year, probably not the year after that. It's mm. probably more like a four or five year deal. That would be my guess. meantime, you could still do a lot of winning, yeah, along absolutely. the way. But you know what I'm saying. Like it's gonna be stacking classes on classes. I just think the the line, the line play is where you see it. You know, it's where you saw it in the Michigan game against Georgia, right? Yeah, he, they couldn't get anything on them. <laughs> and, and Michigan's offensive line was supposedly all-world and all that. Bah, 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 bah. Well, they got smoked. Mm-hmm. They got smoked by guys that are five stars, physical specimens, going to be in the NFL. That's what Georgia trotted out there, and that was that. Yep. <laughs> you know. And on the other side, Michigan's supposedly all-world defensive line didn't do shit either. Mm-hmm. So that to me is where it's going to show up. And that's the, that's the hardest thing, especially offensive lines. You just don't often see freshmen coming in and making a huge impact. Yeah. Even at those places, even in Alabama or Georgia, usually it takes a lineman a couple of years, at least to be at the point that they're really ready to play a lot of snaps for you. So that's why I say it's, it's probably going to be a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. You know, but until Michigan State can get those kind of guys. But meantime, I think that we can have a lot of fun watching it develop. Um, but it's probably never going to be like it was this year. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the thing that I hope people don't lose sight of. If next year's team goes eight and four, mm-hmm. you know, it's like OK, that this is a process. And yeah, it, it was it was great this year, but you can't let that distract you from the enormity of what has to happen to get to the ultimate area that you're trying to reach, which is being able to compete with literally anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I I do think one other thought though, I I think that the Big Ten is kind of in an interesting place right now because you've finally seen for the first time in forever some signs of maybe some chinks in the armor in Columbus. Yeah, I mean that was a bad defensive team i watched some of that game yesterday and oh, it's amazing they it's amazing they won mm-hmm. which offensively i mean they're a juggernaut we know that and they're going to continue to be that but i think there are real reasons to wonder about where that that program is defensively and if they can't if they can't defend better than they did this season you know all of a sudden it's not necessarily going to take a miracle to win the big 10 east it just means you got to have like michigan had You just have the right day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does anybody think that Ohio State, a full strength Ohio State, which they would have been if they'd been in the playoffs, they wouldn't have had all those guys sit out, um, wouldn't have done a better job matching up against Georgia? Of course they would have. They, they, you know, they, but you could have said the same thing in 2015 with Ohio State versus Michigan State. Ohio (laughs) State would have done a better job matching up against Alabama. But, but I think now, as opposed to the Urban Meyer. We've had basically a 20-year run between Jib Trestle and Urban Meyer, Mm -hmm. where Ohio State very rarely underachieved. And now, you know, there's at least some hope that maybe we're going to see that start to happen with a little more regularity. I mean, people forget this because it's ancient history, but John Cooper in the 90s had unbelievable amounts of talent at Ohio State. He probably had, in terms of NFL talent, something reasonably close to what they've had over the last 20 years, but he didn't win at the same rate because they just kind of underachieved. <laughs> so it gives you hope if you're yeah. Michigan state, you know, even if you're Michigan or Penn state or whatever, but yeah, what a—I mean, to bring it back around to Michigan state. What a great year. What a great group of guys to root for. Um, and a lot of reason for optimism in the future, just as long as, as people, kind of understand this is a work in progress. And this year doesn't mean that all of a sudden, well, it's realistic to expect that the next step is the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, Rod, any final thoughts on uh, Michigan state Northwestern?
0: Good win. Um, you got one next that you got to get because <laughs> it's, it's as close to a gimme as you're going to get in this league.
1: Yeah. That's the last so, gimme you're going to see. <laughs>
0: They just at home against the worst team in the conference, you just got to go get it. Simple yeah. as that.
1: All right. Well, we'll get the preview up for that. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.